Monday, May 3rd, uh, as I'm sure you are well aware, today marks the fifth anniversary of one of the largest mass evacuations in Canadian history, Fort McMurray. 88,000 people forced to flee that community pretty much at a moment's notice. It happened fast for a lot of them. And uh, it's a day that I don't think anybody will forget. And uh, the impacts will be felt for a very, very, very long time. Um, Brianna Carsten-Smith is a reporter at Global Edmonton. She was up there covering this story, and she's put together a half-hour special that will air tonight on all global stations across the province at 6.30. She joins us now to give us an idea what that's about, and just to talk a bit about what it was like being up there. Good morning, Brianna. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Shay. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, tell us your story. Uh, I got up there, but days after. I think I went up on the Wednesday or the Thursday or something like that. You were there sort of as this was all happening, correct? Yeah, it's funny. I remember seeing you and <laughs> sort of dazed at that point off no sleep. But uh, yeah, I was up there a couple of days before. I think you went up on May 1st. And uh, actually, I remember so clearly the morning of May 3rd, we had checked out of our hotel because it looked like everything was going to be fine. Like the sky was blue that day. You could barely see the smoke in the distance, which we had seen over the last couple of days. So my shooter and I had checked out of our hotel. We were going to do some morning show hits, a noon press conference, and then go. And at the news press conference, when we heard from the fire chief, you know, this is going to be the day that determines things. It could go really bad or it could be okay. But it was sort of that wishy-washy message, which we heard later uh, during some reports that that message did not help in the evacuation efforts mm-hmm. because no one really knew how bad things were going to be, including the news crews that were disseminating that message. So and then we went and did an interview over at the fire hall, and I remember it was with the Slave Lake fire chief. And I was facing away from where the, the smoke was, and his eyes got bigger and bigger as our interview went on and at one point he said this is going to get bad and he wasn't looking at me and I was like when I turned around the whole sky was black and that's you know 15 minutes after that is when the evacuation started to kick in and really from there it was uh a mad dash to to get out. Like you say, 88,000 people on basically no notice. People were pulling their kids out of school. People were having to leave the the oil camps and and try to come home and get anything they could. So uh, that that evacuation was thankfully as as safe as possible, but it, it it was at short notice. Yeah, you know, Brianna, I think that's the thing that's really surprising because, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people remember, um, read, uh, the reporter for Edmonton who who was up there uh, and as he's doing his live hit you can see the fire coming over the hill and eventually his shooter Dean Tordzik had to say that's it Reed we got to get out of here like we got to run and it happened live on TV it happened so suddenly I think we knew there was fires in the area and like you say that's why you're up there but nobody had any idea that it was going to be something that massive that quickly and that's part of it, you know, when you're working, you're, you sort of have these blinders on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and it's so difficult. I had never been in a situation like that before. And we were stuck in those convoys. We were in Abbasand, which has literally one road out. And it was bumper to bumper, and it wasn't moving. And all you can see in the rearview mirror is flames starting to ignite buildings and homes. And it, it was terrifying for us. And, and you know, I, Fletcher Kent joins me in the special, and uh, he was up there as well for Global News, and he was telling uh, this story in our special that I hope um, resonates with people, because we say, we're not residents. We're lucky we didn't lose anything. Our experience is nothing compared to what Fort McMurray residents went to. But just knowing that, 
I know I had to go to therapy after I had PTSD, mm-hmm. and I'm I didn't lose my home, right? So, and and they have to go see those those sites every day. I go to Abbasan now, and I still get a little shaky just seeing where I stood when the flames came in. But those those residents see this every day, and it's one of those things that I heard when putting together this special was a lot of these people don't like to mark the anniversary, right? Well, sure. why would you? It's, it's your darkest day, which is why we tried to put a focus on it of the resilience and everything they've been through since and they cannot get knocked down uh brianna i'm gonna get you to hang on for just a second we'll continue this when we come back okay thanks okay stay tuned we'll be back with brianna carson smith right after this and we're chatting with Brianna Carsten-Smith, an anchor and reporter with Global Edmonton, who was up in Fort McMurray on this day five years ago when that mass evacuation uh, took place. And, you know, Brianna, you stayed up there for a while, as we all did. Um, you know, the evacuation itself uh, was an absolutely monumental effort. But then I remember in the days immediately following all the questions, right? We couldn't get into town. Everybody who lived in town had been moved out. So there was so many questions about what actually is going on in Fort McMurray. How much of Fort McMurray is gone? That was sort of the focus for us up there, was finding out what is the state of Fort McMurray, and it it was tough to get answers. It was. We got these sort of broad numbers. I remember at one point we heard, say, Grayling Terrace lost 90% of the waterways, lost 90% of the homes, Beacon Hill lost 80%. Where and what does that mean? You know, there are people who who want to know as soon as possible whether they have a home to go back to. And that was one of the many recommendations coming out of several reports after the fire was the information. You know, you have to try to get as Mm -hmm. much to people as soon as possible. They have to start insurance claims. They get their own general well-being. And I think part of the problem was this fire was relentless and it kept coming back. You know, every day for several days we saw it. I, I remember with you standing on the highway, seeing it come closer and closer to us. We were like 40 kilometers south of town and it was sparking up. And so, you know, that was part of it is that new homes were burnt, you know, after several days. But still, I think to give people a sense, especially with the technology that we have right now, you know, you can use Google satellite images, you can use drones, you can use helicopters that were flying up. Uh, and just to give people some peace of mind, I think, would have been, uh, is a recommendation that came out that, that it would have helped. Yeah, I think so. Just to yeah, help them, because it was so much uncertainty. Um, and as you said, this the special tonight focuses on resiliency, which I don't think can be overstated. It's impossible to overstate the resiliency of this community, because not only are we talking about the fire and rebuilding from that, but then, you know, a couple of years later, they got the floods. Uh, and then the oil price collapse. And now the pandemic. I mean, that community, it's one hit after another, it seems. And it doesn't seem fair. And, and you know, any outsider would say, uh, you know, why, why do you still live there? Or, or you know... Why continue? And the people up there just say, this is home. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's a couple different things. Uh, this is a city that's made up of, uh, you know, certain amounts have come from a ways. So whether it's people from out east coming to work in the oil patch and then staying, or whether it's immigrants coming and uh, running the hotels, the restaurants, things like that, to keep that economy going for the people who come from away. And it's people who have found a home here, who have have made this community their home. And they're resilient people who have gone through so much already, you know, even before the wildfire, who it's just this, you know, work hard, boots on the ground, yep. you know, attitude. And, and it's so 
prevalent. You know, we were up there uh, last month filming this special, and there are still signs on the grocery store windows that say Fort Mac Strong. Oh, yeah. There are still bumper stickers, right, that say Fort Mac Strong. And, and, and people have said, it, you know, it was a saying in 2016, but it's a way of life now. And I, I love that. I think it's so true. You know, and like, I, you know, I said this before, um, if you ever go to New Orleans and you're talking to the people who live in New Orleans, there's a defining moment, and they will say, well, that, that was before the storm, or that was before mm-hmm. Katrina, or that was after Katrina. There are thir- certain things that are so big and so impactful that they forever change the direction of a community. And I think the fire fits the bill for Fort McMurray. They talk about before the fire and after the fire. It's changed the way things are done in that, in that community, and, you know, it's a defining moment for them. And it's even changed decision-making. Yes. One of the things we learned about was, um, it's called a resilient strategy, which I swear we didn't name that, but <laughs> the city has this resilient strategy that it's come up with, and it's now looking at a lens of disaster mitigation with every single decision it makes. So whether that's budget, whether it's this park down in this neighborhood, it's, okay, if we have another fire or flood or tornado, what will be the impact of having this and making this decision? And I think that's such a brilliant strategy strategy that Fort McMurray's come up with that other cities can learn from. We're all going to be subjected to more natural disasters, worse natural disasters. So why not every single piece of decision-making at City Council, why not come at it with that lens? It's so important. Um, So tell us about the uh, special that airs tonight. As you said, it focuses on resiliency. Who do you talk to and what kind of stories do they tell? So we catch up with a couple of people who you've met before. Fletcher uh, has, has met a couple um, incredible residents. One, Cora, who we've chatted with again and again. She's great. She uh, fled the fire like everyone else. Her, uh, her, her horses she had to save, so literally rode the horses out of the city. Uh, a couple of years later, she went back, started a pet store. It fell through because of the economy. And then in 2020, her house flooded in the floods. So she, she's been impacted by all of it. And she's just got this stick around attitude of like, the community needs me. I need this community. Let's keep going. We also speak with a woman who, who left. She uh, lost her house in the fire in 2016, went back, rebuilt, lost it to an accidental fire, and said, you know what, I think this is a sign. And her son was born the day after the fire. He's a wildfire baby, they call him. And he says that it makes him strong. He's five years old now, and he says it makes him strong and that resilient. So that's kind of those people we talked to about the fire. We also talked to people about the flood, too, though, because it's been a year this week that the flood hit. So how are they doing? We talked to a lot of people who haven't even touched their basement because they didn't get insurance. You know, so many people got denied insurance, so they're still rebuilding, still learning from that process, uh, and, and still trucking along. So I spoke with Carl Barish last year, and we catch up with him again in this special, and he's got the best attitude. He survived Hurricane Irma, he survived the Las Vegas shooting, he survived the fire, he survived the flood, and he just calls it stories. They're just stories and you can get through anything and I love that attitude and then we end the special talking with Louise Pinto and Louisa Pinto and she's a grade 12 student in Fort McMurray and we wanted to talk to someone who you know this is her formative her, her most formative years of yeah. going through life I can't imagine going through all of this when you're you know in your teens and she's going into nursing and we talked to her like do you stay in Fort McMurray or do you go 
what what do you do? What opportunities are there in the city for you? Um, and she says that it's really prepared her for any hardships that come her way in real life. So um, it, I, I hope you enjoy meeting these people because they, they are such a joy to talk to. Yeah, and inspiring, right? I mean, that's the mm-hmm. thing. Every excuse in the world to, to be angry and frustrated and resentful, but not that community. They, they just seem to have, like like we've been saying, resilience. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny, we, we named this special Adversity and Resilience before we went up there, and then we went up there. And I'm not even lying when I say every single person we spoke with used that word without any sort of prompting. It was, it, it's this way of life. It, they drink it in their water. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's there, for McMurray Strong, there's no better way to put it. And I've never, I had never been up there before the 2016 wildfire, and I, I can't tell you what it was like before, but I can tell you what it's been like in the last five years, and it's just incredible. Just, it's inspiring. It's, it's, yeah, it's inspiring. It is. You're absolutely right. That that's the best way to put it. It's, a, it's a remarkable community, and uh, I really look forward to the special tonight. Uh, Brianna, thank you for joining us this morning and giving us some idea what we can expect to see. Thanks for having me. You bet. Thanks very much. That is Brianna Karsten-Smith, who is a reporter over at Global Edmonton tonight at 6.30 p.m. on Global Edmonton, Global Calgary, and Global Lethbridge. You can tune in and check out that special presentation, Fort McMurray, Adversity and Resilience. And, uh, you know, it's five years later now, and it's a day, like I keep saying, none of us will forget. Um, you know, I got up there, as I say, I think on the Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, something like that. And um, it's uh, it was an apocalyptic scene. I, I know Rachel Notley got in a lot of trouble when she said it's like something out of The Walking Dead. But you know what? She was right. I don't think she meant anything by it. But if you've seen Walking Dead with the empty community and the highways lined with abandoned vehicles, that's that's what it was. That's what it looked like. Pure and simple. Uh, you know, it was like a scene out of a movie. It was really, really hard to comprehend. And Brianna talked about, you know, the desperate need for information from the people who had fled that community. I have a friend who lives in Fort McMurray, so the fire starts, he evacuates, ends up in Edmonton, and I'm in Fort McMurray. And after a few days of waiting at the rest stop, when things had calmed down enough within the city, the RCMP would take us on tours. Uh, we could hop into our vehicles, and they would take us to a set location in Fort McMurray where we could film. Uh, you couldn't get out of your car, you couldn't stop, you just had to stay with them, and then you, you turn around and you go back out. Um, but I remember him getting a hold of me and begging and pleading with me to see if I could find out what happened to his house, because he had no idea. Nobody did. Nobody had been in or out of that community in terms of, you know, tracking what homes were lost. We knew a number were. We knew some of the general areas that they were in. But uh, specific addresses and things like that, we didn't know. And the people who had fled those specific addresses, they didn't know either. It was uh, an absolutely incredible situation. It really and truly was. And uh, you can't say enough about the people of Fort McMurray and the way they have just soldiered on in the face of an absolute calamity. 88,000 people had to be evacuated in one day. Um, Absolutely remarkable. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal day in our province's history and uh, the way that that community responded.